at Truth Be Told Podcast. This is episode number 46 with Miss Amy Blaine. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I just have to say that my favorite, can I just start by saying my favorite memory of you? Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, obviously we know each other, or maybe not obviously, but we know each other from the QOD book club. And I just remember you coming every week. I feel like you were there every week, but you were also, you had a lot of stuff going on and you were dropping your daughter off at dance class when your internet connection was spotty and you would, you know, you engaged, you know, with the conversation. And I just felt like, a, what you shared was so authentic during book club, but also just your commitment to like show up every week. Like you were so committed to your personal growth and it really did inspire me to continue to go and show up either at book club or other places. And I just remember you and we did like breakout groups and things like that. So we got to know each other a little bit better, but um, it's just such a, you were such an inspiration to me. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, it's funny. Um, I love all of you guys. And I appreciate Sean Croxton for putting us together, putting us in a safe place. Um, that was my first, like, time actually opening up to people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, like, really raw for me because I didn't believe at first that the transformation could happen and just seeing it. And I was just, I needed I needed to be around different people. And so when I got in the room, I felt like I knew you guys for years. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so when we ended, you know, I know things have to end for new beginnings. But I was in a rut at first because I was, like, acting like a little girl, Amy. I was like, I don't want us to end. It's not fair, Sean. Like, we can do something else. (laughs) Yeah. So it was awesome. It's awesome. I know that... um, you know, through through the book club, all of the connections I've made, I know it's so easy to reach out to you guys still. Everybody's still doing the thing. Um, so it's, it's awesome. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. I think that that's a great thing to talk about. I mean, before we get into it, y'all, this is episode 46. We're talking about Finding Me, um, which is Viola Davis. Yay. <laughs> um, it's an awesome book. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, like I said, uh, Marissa, when she gave me your information, that's when I actually looked into it. I was already looking at it, but then I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it's like me and Amy are intertwined because I was like, I need to get in this book club. So before we even go into this topic, guys, like she said, I met Amy through a book club. Um, she's awesome. She's inspiring. She's an entrepreneur and she is doing it. And I know she got other things going on. Um, but let us know a little bit more about you, Amy. Yeah, thank you. So, um, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I live in the city and let's see, I actually joined the, the book club that we know each other from because, I was reaching a level of personal growth and starting to feel really isolated and looking for a community that would help me continue to grow. And I had actually been thinking about starting my own book club or some type of community and was thinking, you know, maybe I should try to join a club before I 
I want to take all the time to create something. And I had been listening to Sean Craxton's quote of the day, and he'd been talking about the book club. And so I decided to join. And obviously, we met each other there and then had really um, loved being part of the book club and then was like, hey, I think this is something that I want a community that I want to create, but I wanted to create a community for women only. And now because I, I actually really love the dynamic of the men and women, because it was interesting to hear men have similar feelings that women do and see their perspective. But I felt like for me, my main calling was to provide a safe space for women to be able to speak up. Like I had gotten so much from being in that room, you know, in that book club, like you had talked about, it was the first time you had shared authentically, similarly for me. And I just could feel myself elevating from just saying the words out loud and wanting to be able to create a, a safe space for just women so that we could really engage, use our voices, let go of imperfections, like just show up however we, you know, are who we are and be able to provide that community. So yes, I did start the Live Big Book Club and it is designed to connect, support and ignite women towards their limitless potential. I mean, I truly believe that all of us men and women, you know, I'm just a woman. So that's, you know, kind of my passion. Um, And so really wanting to inspire other women Um, Also, a little bit about my background is that I've worked in sales for 20 years, and I predominantly worked in male-dominated industries. Right. So I've been one of the few women in those industries and really just seeing the dynamic between men and women and how women will naturally kind of suppress themselves, some of the more natural tendencies, Mm -hmm. and they'll also step back from success because they are... You know, lots of reasons, which we can get into, but like societal norms and just um, different, you know, kind of nuances that we feel when we engage with other people, whether it's people that don't look like us, don't talk like us, men, women, like all those different things, how we really kind of play off of each other and make us small or conform. And so that's really my main passion with doing the book club. Um, And yeah, that's kind of, that's my biggest thing that's going on. I do have some other stuff going on, but we we don't need to talk about those things right now. Um, (laughs) Just a little bit about where I am. So thank you for asking. No, I love it. I love watching how um, you took what you learned from being in a book club and took that as your leading way to start your passion, your purpose, and what you feel like, you know, God as you doing. I didn't know it was woman empowerment. That makes me more intrigued because I was already feeling like that coming out of it. I said, okay, I want to do a podcast but I just want to start where I'm at. Marissa actually even pushed me to do that because I was like, Marissa, I'm not ready. Like, I always have a lot going on. (laughs) I have all these kids. I got this husband. I got these family members. It's just a lot of people pleasing that I'm trying to learn and still, you know, layering from that. And like you said, with the book club, you inspired me as well. So I just want to commend you because... I'm watching you and like I said I'm now more excited but I can't wait to go looking into the book club because I need to be around a community of like-minded people Um, you know I think that's very important 
Uh, and I haven't really did that since I left you guys. Uh, I create, that's another reason why with the podcast, you know, I said, okay, this is going to help me weed out certain people. I've met so many different people um, and still doing the things that I learned through book club. It's just, it's just inspiring. So, so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, oh God, I was going to say something else about, um, uh, anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. I like lost my train of thought, but go it's ahead. okay. I was going to say, maybe you're a Gemini because I'm always rambling and I, I forget. So with my sign, we're always like all over the place. So if it comes back to you, please interrupt me. Because something you said earlier was about suppressing ourselves in whatever reason, whatever way. And it's funny because my last episode, I said that I do that, you know, even in my marriage. And I don't think... Um, it's nothing he's doing. It's just sometimes I, I'm just used to put myself on the back burner. Yeah. Um, or if, okay, he's leaving, he's doing this, he's doing that. What do I need to do so that the house is okay? And yeah. so whatever I have going on, oh, I can wait. I'll put that to the side. That's just my reasoning sometimes for suppressing. And it, and it, it gets better. Um, I'm learning. Uh, and, and I do, I voice my opinion a lot now. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> and you're going to have to figure this out. Like, and I, cause I need that. You know, I think all women, um, sometimes, you know, as a black woman, we always say we have to be strong, but I feel like all women have to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I love about this book, Finding Me. I love that. We can be in a room, um, different race, different culture, different backgrounds, and feel safe enough to talk about subjects like this. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I was telling Ron one time, you know, when we was in book club and we talked about racial anything, it got sticky, it got heavy to me. You know, I feel mm-hmm. that. I was yeah. like, well, I feel that. I know everybody else feels that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't- I was so interested. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this book too, because um, I'm more interested in what you think of my perspective. I do. I am. (laughs) I'm super and very open to you know your your honest feedback about Uh you know my my perspective of it because just as a background, I grew up in a very all white Mm -hmm. small town. Um, no diversity whatsoever. And now I've kind of like tiptoed into where I live now, which is in the middle of the city in Milwaukee, which city, which Milwaukee is historically a very segregated. Um, really? Yeah. Like we're very diverse, but we're also very tribal. And so it's really, there's a lot of othering going on, a lot of us versus them. Um, and I wanted to live in the city because I didn't like that I felt I felt ignorant. I felt like I didn't understand other people and that because of my background I had I had subconsciously done a lot of othering and not in a deliberate way, but wanting to break down those patterns so that I could be a better person. I could be just, you know, I could just be a better person to everyone that I encounter. Right. I, I think sometimes I've done really well in it, and other times I feel like, oh my god, like, what am I doing or what am I saying? How am I, you know, like all the progress that I have to make? But I like 
scene in the middle where I walk outside and I'm, I'm sometimes seeing, I always, like my best analogy of where I live is, um, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, which mm-hmm. has a basketball team. And so I was walking down the street that I live in and I was walking next to this woman that, I don't know if she was homeless, but she like rode the bus. And she was talking about how the mat, like the mask and COVID and how this was really disturbing to her. And it was a good conversation. And, you know, we were just having, I was like, oh, that, you know, that, you know, that's not great. And just conversing with her. And then like the president of the Milwaukee Bucks comes walking by, you know, so there's just such a disparity or such a huge divide between the classes. And I find that very interesting because you, you really get to experience everybody, just who they are, yes. not like what kind of car they drive or how they dress. Like there's just a real commonality with that, like a human nature to it that is very appealing to me. I love how you lead off with just bam, like, okay, Brittany, this, I'm so surprised that this and this, because as I was reading Finding Me and realized that, you know, Viola is going through a typical um, in, in our world, in the black community, uh, colorism of how she looks and how she portrays herself because of how the world sees her. And um, I think sometimes we're scared, both races, um, because sometimes you see, you said you felt ignorant to it. I feel ignorant, too, sometimes. You know, you only know what you know. Is what you were raised in, and like you said, what type of background you come from. Um, given your background, a little bit about my background, um, my mom, black, dad, black, but we were raised around mixed people. Mm-hmm. My mom was really big on, um, when my sister, I always remember my sister went to a predominantly black school and this was like in middle school and my mom pulled her out not because it was predominantly black but because Desiree wasn't doing good and her grades were dropping and and she kept getting in trouble and that's not like my sister Mm. my mom's like well I could see if they were calling me for you and I was like oh okay whatever (laughs) but they're calling her you know it's always one I'm the one (laughs) and so you know it, it just, she made sure we saw, I was I was fortunate to have a mom and a dad that showed us uh, it doesn't really matter about your race, but because of, like you said, what you come from, you're going to experience it all. Uh, my grandparents, um, one of them, she, she, they're not here no more, but I always used to tell them, oh, my, you're so racist. Because, like, you know, we'll pull up and she'll say little stuff, like, oh, that little cracker. Well, what if they say that little nigger? Like, you know, then they're racist. You know, so I just learned how that I just learned to, to have people the way they are. They're going to be the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um be okay with how they are or not. It's up to you. It's a choice. Um, it doesn't always have to be a racial thing. It doesn't have to be so much tension. I'm, I pray that as we grow, you know, that old society is, is leaving and going away and you know, but it is. Racism still lives here. You know, things still exist. Things are still not evolving as quickly as we think they should. But it's not always a racial thing. 
You know, it's not always like that. And I, and I do believe that, you know, especially working at Starbucks, I experienced it all from white, black. Um, I've had the bougie black people that won't touch my hand. I've had the white people that won't look at me. And I was the manager, you know, and you looking at this white girl. And I'm like, no, I'm the manager, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it, it was, it's, you know, it's really just people and, and how you lead and how you love and and when I started reading this book, Finding Me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did not realize that, you know, Viola comes from a really tough, hard family. Um, and I want to know how, you know, her upbringing, how that makes you feel as a white woman. And how do you feel like you can reflect on that when you're reading this book? Yeah, good question. I would say I was really... I felt like the bravery that it took her to tell her story, I think hopefully everybody reads it and people really take it in and understand that, you know, from different perspectives, but just from my own perspective was the fact that it gave me a lot of insight into specifically the really, really poor class, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because, and she made a statement. She said something about how, you know, I don't know if she used the term white people, but she did say, she might've said white people, like they don't even want to look at us. Like it's just easier to ignore us and pretend we don't exist. And I have to say that just, it really did, affect me because I feel like it was true. Like I felt like that's how I felt. I felt like that's what I was doing. Like it was okay to say that this person deserved my attention, my, my greeting, my hello as I walk past them. But then there's another class that does not because of the, you know, the things that I would tell myself is, I'm scared. Right. You know, they have a gun, or what if they have a knife, or what if they're going to rob me, or, you know, like, and I think that I had really held on to that feeling of like justification of why I can't even smile or make eye contact with somebody that's at that level of poverty. And I think that that really helped me see those people when I see them, you know, if I am suspecting like, Hey, they are homeless where they are, you know, where I live, we live near a Walgreens and there are people that will come up like women that will come up and ask for like money for feminine hygiene products. I would just be like, Oh no, I can't, you know? And now it's like, I'm, you know, I still, my safety is important, but looking after I'm, I'm like, okay, I can have a conversation with you and I can decide if I'm going to help you or not. But um, it's just, I think it has affected the energy that I'm giving out to more people. Um, yeah. I love how you're being aware. You're being mindful of it. So that's the biggest thing. I think that all of us have to take ownership of our part. It doesn't really matter the race because, you know, as a black person, when you said like it, it offends you when, uh, Viola was talking about how they didn't want to look at us, you know, and, and certain things of your culture that makes you be like, oh my gosh, I have the same things with my culture. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get mad at us real quick, you know, if we just sometimes the way we act, you know, I'm like, 
we can't go nowhere. Like we can't have nothing because we don't know how to act. Like we or we or or they're gonna assume. And when I say they, I mean like the police or the the white people of the police, and sometimes black people too. Mm-hmm. I get scared sometimes. Like I'm like, okay, if it's too much going on, just because of where we're at and what type of you know things is going on, people. It don't matter what color you are. It just things happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that fear in me. It's something in me that clicks and says, okay, I need to go home. I don't need to be here because I've been in so many situations. Um, being a black woman, even now, like wearing my hair natural, um, that's a big thing. When I worked at Starbucks, um, that's when I started my lock journey. This is my second lock. So now I'm bald, Amy. But my hair was long hair, I don't care. So that's why I put so much I put braids over, I put a wig on it, whatever, um, however I'm feeling, but, mm-hmm. and I had to go through certain situations of corporate, how I'm supposed to dress, how my hair is supposed to be, um, and I understood some of it, I, the only thing I was big on was, okay, if they say something about my natural hair, I'm not gonna work here, because I'm not dealing with that, but I never really had to do with, deal with that, it was just the color, and I couldn't get mad at them, because I did wear funky hair colors, I was like, okay, I know green, orange, blue, red, is not corporate, so, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't say it's racial, that's corporate America, um, and I don't always agree with some of the things they say, but, hey, you know, like I said, it's, it's being able to come into a safe room and like we're doing now and, and being able to agree and disagree or learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we were in book club, for me, it was just, it was hard. Like I wanted to go there sometimes, but not with y'all. I wanted to go there with Sean. You know, I was like, well, I feel like as a black man, this, 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 this but I can't go there because I'm like, okay, I'm, you come from a different background than I come from and I'm learning you just like you're learning us um, and it doesn't matter what color we are because there was different shades of color in there and like you said um, you were telling me earlier about how your town is and how you're learning just by being in the city um, I'm learning too like in Houston um, it's a lot of different cultures and I'm not used to nothing but white, black, and maybe a little bit of Hispanic. But now I see more Hispanics, or they're not even just, they, they might not be Hispanic. And see, that's just the ignorance. I don't know. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they'll be really dark. And I might think they're black, but when you get up to them and you see their hair or you see how they look, or they, how they start talking about them, they're not even black. So mm-hmm. I'm learning, too. So Yeah. And I do have a question for you, too, just in terms of you talked about when you worked at Starbucks and just in terms of like how different people interacted with you. How did that affect you? I mean, you seem like you're like, OK, I, I love and accept everyone. Like you kind of got this like self-awareness of not taking it personal. But how do you think that that affected your life in general or your person, you know, or your self-esteem or anything like that? Um, if you would have asked me back then when I was there, I was not the same Brittany I am today. So back then it was, I was more of in the moment. It depended on the situation. Sometimes it would get, it real. I just remember one incident and the guy was really rude. Like, and it, it, 
I seen it before because I went to a mixed school, white, black, so I seen all types of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got called a nigger when I was in middle school because, but I dealt with a lot of, you know, I helped with a lot of white people and the dude I liked, he was white. Um, but, God, it just made me be like, oh my gosh, it's the world we live in. This is, but I was already taught that though, Amy. Like, growing up, my dad would tell us like certain stuff we would have to deal with. And he would tell us it's not right. It's not right, but this is what you're gonna have to eventually deal with. If if you don't deal, if you don't deal with it, your sister or your brother's gonna deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. Um, other like I don't know if did you have specific questions because I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna let you know. And so I wanted to go into the introduction of um, finding me, but it was just one thing. I didn't really want to like dig deep into it. I wanted to just get your perspective on it. But it was one thing that I read that's just at the beginning of the book. And we kind of already talked about it, but just a reflection of finding me. Um, she pretty much says it comes from humble beginnings. We, we know the story of Viola and how she's from, you know, the Rhode Island and New York City and beyond. So that's just a whole different culture and what she dealt with. Um, but it was one thing that she wrote that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, and I think that all women, doesn't matter what color you are, can relate to. She said, so I wrote this for anyone running through life, untethered, desperate, and clawing their way through murky memories, trying to get some form of self-love. For anyone who needs reminding that a life worth living can only be born from radical honesty and the courage to shed baffles and be you. Mm. That was like really empowering for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what did that mean for you? Oh, it just means like for life, it's just, you go through layers. Um, And I feel like this book is just um, a love letter to her. Letting her know that she's evolving, she's becoming, she's blossoming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the chapters in there anyway. And it's just, it it just shows me that depending on how you look at life and your attitude with life, it, it can reflect what type of life you can have. Mm-hmm. For sure. And like the term that really stuck out to me when you were reading that was radical honesty. Um, yeah. I just think that if more people could understand that they are not, there are no chains holding us down, like besides the ones that we put on ourselves. And Viola is such a perfect example of somebody that recognized that she was in control of her life. Right. She was in control of the thoughts that she thought, the people she interacted with, the the amount of work that she was going to put in. I mean, she was going to be successful and nobody was going to stop her from that. And I just felt like, I think you're right. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you're female or you're male. I think that that's such a, a powerful message um, for everyone to know that your past does not define you. Oh gosh, I'm still learning it, Amy. Oh, <laughs> me too. But I do think I. I mean, like, what do you think about radical honesty? Like, I think radical honesty is something that I've been practicing a lot over the past few years, and it has really shaken my life up a lot. Um, when you okay, so radical honesty is pretty much 
much just being blunt where you're at. Um, no chaser, no... I mean, I think it's about... Um, I was, so using myself as an example, you know, I'm a woman in a male dominated industry. So there were things that had happened to me that were happening, you know, just micro like conversations, how things were going. Um, you know, I was kind of placating mm-hmm. to fit in and to be accepted. And I was self-abandoning myself in order to fit in and to fitting in means I'm part of the group. And then part of the group means I have job security. Job security means that I make money and I get to pay my bills. And so there was this, yeah. And there's this trickle down and at the the top you're successful and you have money. And at the bottom, you're not who you, you're not who you truly are because you're just self-abandoning in these really small ways. And so really just making a concerted effort to stop self-abandoning. And how did you go from, um, feeling that way, Amy, being in that turmoil, how did you come out of that? Like you, you seem like you've been like all of us go through some type of trial and tribulation and it made us be in the the space we're in. Can you talk about that a little bit more as we're talking about finding me? You mean like what, like about, do you want me to share like what that was like or what, how we got there? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it got to a place where, you know, I'm 46. And oh, you look good, girl. <laughs> um, I have, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna say I have a, a filter, but we're not doing this on Zoom, so I guess I don't have a filter. No. Uh, so thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm 46, and you know, my dad passed away about six years ago, and he was really a you know a big supporter of me that I felt like we were kind of, um, you know, just really. He was he was just someone that I felt what when he was alive, it was kind of like. I always had somebody by my side, you know, whether we, we didn't live close to each other, but just in spirit. And when he passed away, that was a pretty pivotal time. I was just turning 40. So it was, there was a lot of just natural life shifts that were happening. And I think I just really started to look at my life and think, Hey, when, you know, a parent dies, you do have that realization that you're not going to live forever. Thinking about what do I want my legacy to be? And when I get to the end of my life, what do I want? What do, when I look back on my life, what do I want to say that I did? Like, can I look back on my life and be proud of what I did? And I think that the the kind of the, the one key thing that really shifted in terms of that made it easier to be, to stop self-abandoning was I would envision I would envision, and maybe some people will think this is like really depressing, but I would envision myself like, okay, I've lived a full life and I die and I go to heaven and my dad is there. Mm -hmm. And my dad just fully like unconditionally loved me. And I know that he would be proud of whatever I did. It wouldn't matter if I would have continued to just placate. He still would have been like, oh, you did the best you could and that's fine. But I really, it was important to me that when I see him, that he can look at me and be like, you, you fully lived your life. You lived the life that I wanted you, you know, like I knew you could do. I always knew you could do it. And we just knew the choices that I had to make, you know, and they weren't easy choices, but I kind of was just like, 
fuck it. Like, I just, like, you know, it's just like, this all could just be a dream anyway. Like, we could all just be like living in a dream and we're all going to wake up one day. And yes. I, you, know, when you kind of know like what the right thing and the wrong thing is. Mm-hmm. And you're just tired. You're just tired of the hustle. You're just tired of, you know, and in the book, Viola Davis talks about, she has this great quote where she talks about, um, stop making love to something that's killing you. Oh, and she was oh. using this analogy of placating to what white society wanted right. her to be, who she be, and to start fully embracing the naturalness of who she was. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me. And that was probably like the theme for me. It was like, I just needed to stop leaning into and loving the things that were killing my spirit. Um and it's not easy. Like, I'm sure you've done it, too. Like, no, I'm glad that you went there, Amy. I wanted you. I did that on purpose because I knew you were going to go that way. I do remember you talking about your dad. That was something, of course, that touched me. I lost my dad. That doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that was one big thing still stuck out to me, you know, is make him proud and be the person you are. And, and something that, and that quote from... Viola, you know, that just like put uh, like a coffin in the nail, regardless of how you come in and she took it at where she was and what she was dealing with with the white society and and decided to, like you said, fuck it and just be the person that she was. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was a pivotal point for me, too. I have been hiding mm-hmm. for so long. Um, I, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know what they're, what, why sometimes I'm still trying to figure that out. Like that comes from somewhere deep down. I always felt like I had to hide who I was. I was the one that was outspoken and when it would try different stuff. And I was always told, no, that's too much. Or you dream too big, mm-hmm. you know, and I never understood why. Um, but now I'm just me. And I'm like, okay, either they like me or they don't. And I don't think it has to be, it don't matter what color we are. Because <laughs> yeah. you are ignorant. It, 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 and that's, you know, when I say, when I say, when I use the word ninja, that's what it is. It's an ignorant person. You're ignorant. It doesn't matter what color. I mean, every, people are ignorant. And you should be able to have a conversation with somebody like we did today. This was definitely awesome, Amy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I could have went deep into the book, but I really want people to read it for themselves. And that's when I seen it at your book, I was like, damn, I wish I had, I missed it because I was like, I know the conversations in there mm-hmm. were probably just thick or just, or even just people using their point of views of what they um, went through in life um, and, and how it reflected them just reading this book from somebody that's different from them. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what life is all about anyway um, serving and, and meeting different people you'd be surprised the same type of stuff we go through mm-hmm. um, just in different ways in different cultures um, you know my, my sister-in-law soon to be hopefully they've been engaged forever Amy I don't know what they're doing <laughs> yes brother I'm talking about you um, but she's oh Hispanic and I learn a lot from them. You know, I might pick at her sometimes. I might speak English because I don't know what you're saying. No. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, come here, what did y'all say? You know, what did they say? You know, I'll say something yeah. like that. We'll laugh at that. But they have, like, they have the same mama issues that I have with my mom. And it's just, 
enlightening to see that, like I said, have different people in the same room to agree to disagree. Yeah. 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 That's I love it. And you are like, you definitely do have, which I'm sure people have told you before, but you definitely do have like a certain spark about you in terms of like when you say that you feel internally that you want to be seen um, and kind of live that life. I mean, you just as an outsider looking in, I definitely feel that about you. Um, Thank you, Amy. Yeah, I definitely do. And I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because I think it's just such a great way to um to shed that light and to share that spark and and to connect with other people you know that thank you i appreciate that i appreciate everything you said today i'm glad i'm in your network because i know i can like hit up amy y'all amy is like awesome she's doing the thing she's like great at it i'm definitely gonna check into this book club because that's just exciting like i did not know it was all women Oh my gosh. Like we can cry together, we can bitch together, and we can talk together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. If there's anything that you can leave us with today though, Amy, um, I'm always talking about, you know, in, in book club and then we're both in personal development about healing and um healing the inner child. What is something that you could say to the audience of younger Amy or to younger Amy? What is something that you could say to her today that you realize through finding me? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. Um, I would say, do you mind if I read like a part of the book? Yeah. Um, because I just feel like her words were so. I'm reading with you. Okay. Um. I feel like I have this and I just want to make sure. Um, so this was at the very end. So this was okay. the last page 291. Okay. And, um, let's see. She says, the question still echoes. How did I claw my way out? There is no way out. Every painful memory, every mentor, every friend and foe every friend and foe, so all the, all the fans and all the haters, served as a chisel, a leap pad that helped shape me. Oh. Yeah, the imperfect but blessed sculpture that is Viola is still growing and still being chiseled. My elixir, I know, I'm no longer ashamed of me. I own everything that has happened to me. The parts that were a source of shame are actually my warrior fuel. I see people the way they walk, talk, laugh, and breathe in their silence in a way that is hyper-focused because of my past. I'm an artist because there's no separation from me and every human being that has passed through the worlds, including my mom. I have a great deal of compassion for other people, but mostly for myself. That would not be the case if I did not reconcile the little eight-year-old girl in finding me. I just, I just really like, and then I think the last part, um, yeah, that's it. The last part's kind of, um, you have to read the rest of the book, but I just thought that was really good because, let me go back to it. Um, 
I think she really talks about the two things that stick out to me there is that she made peace with herself. Like there was right. no part of herself that she was ashamed of, which I think can be, I mean, we could talk about that for hours, like right. you of your past, um, but that, that, and that also allowed her to then extend compassion to everyone around her, which is, which is the elixir, you know, to, to really solve a lot of the uh, discomfort that we see in the world today. Oh, it's funny how things work out. I wrote things down, Amy, and I said, okay, I'm, because I know that you know what you're talking about, I said, she's going to go there, and you went there. Um, you definitely went there today. Um, you definitely hit some high points, and I appreciate it. You about made me cry because, like, that's that last part, um, owning all your shit, I'm still owning my shit, and I stand in it, um, and I'm, I'm very excited that you spoke to the audience today, especially that little girl inside of all of us mm-hmm. um, that who hasn't healed or who is still trying to heal. Uh, definitely let us know, Amy, where we can find you at on social media. Yeah, thank you. Um, and yeah, we are all healing. Like there is yes. no point. Like we are all works in progress, regardless of where you're at, which is which is beautiful. Um, but thank you. So you can follow me on Instagram at the Amy Blaine. Um, and then I do have a website for the book club that's just theamyblaine.com. Um, and yeah, those are the two main places. So I love it. I love it. I'm going to definitely put your information in the bio. I appreciate you today. I'm going to leave you with two random questions and then I'm going to let you go. Okay, I, do have, <laughs> I do have to say that I listened to some of your previous episodes, obviously, and I was listening to your random questions. And one of them was, have you ever read a three way? Like, oh my god i hope she doesn't ask me that question <laughs> no in case anyone's wondering but i was like oh my god <laughs> no i just i always think of what comes to mind so the first thing i'm going to ask you is what is the craziest thing you've ever done that you're willing to share to the audience today um the craziest thing i've ever done yes okay i actually just told this story so it's on my mind and this is ah! Pretty, it's not like um, a prideful moment, but I was at a work Christmas party and I was working, you know, I worked with all men. I was like the only female and um, I was, I didn't have my boyfriend with me. So I was alone and I ended up drinking too much wine. (laughs) And I ended up, I don't know if I should even say this out loud because people are all listening to it. But I ended up getting so drunk that I was in the bathroom and somebody's wife came in to get me and I had like taken off my clothes. I love it. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I've never like, never, I did. And I don't remember, like I, till this day, I cannot drink wine because I'm terrified of what happened to me. If my mom is listening to this. This is not normal behavior. This was a really long time ago. Right, I'm totally okay. I didn't know. People were very scared of me. I love it. I love that you told that. I think that kind of like tops it, but I have one more. Okay. What is something that you break before you use? Well, I heard this on the other one, and so I'm going to say egg. because I. Know oh, that. okay. So you have heard that. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you one more. Oh, it. <laughs> um, so what is something that goes up and down but doesn't move? Oh, my God. I have no idea. The stairs. 
This is so obvious. Lila's like, my daughter, she's like, really, mom? Really? <laughs> she'll have me some more next week because she's like, mom, I got to get you some more random questions. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate you guys. Please go like, share, and subscribe to both of our channels. Amy is awesome. She is definitely somebody to follow. I am just grateful and honored that you took the time with me today. So we're going to sign out. This is episode number 46 with Truth Be Told Podcast. Finding me by Viola Davis with Amy Blaine. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Brett. <laughs>